six overtimes. Oh yeah, six overtimes. Oh yeah. Not a journalist. He's an absolute idiot. But that's okay. I'm not a dime back. I'd like to be able to retire someday. I'm get tired. Welcome everybody to the Six Overtimes podcast. I am your host, Chaz Wagner, and joining me is our other co-host, Scott Wildermoot. What's up, Scott? How you doing, Chaz? Are you ready to uh, dive right in? This is the first first go at it. What do you think? Pretty excited. Um, you know, it's going to be another great season of Big East basketball like we found ourselves accustomed to over the past several seasons, and I think we're doing a doing everyone a service by having Pittsburgh on the first one. I think it's uh they're the most interesting team. I'd say it's a it's a, a service, it's uh our civil rights and it's it's our responsibility as as Big East basketball fans to uh get the podcast out there to the the six overtimes nation. Couldn't agree with you more. Well Scott, what we're doing to start the year and to kick it off is as most good outlets do, some team previews and what we're going to do for everyone is we're going to do a rundown of last year, what uh, all 16 teams, kind of what uh, there was only one team that uh, that ended with a victory, and that was the Yukon Huskies. So their review, uh, all their fans left with a, a positive note. So we'll look at the last year's finish for all the teams. We'll look at the players returning and some of the key losses on these teams. And also we'll take a, a look at the, the games and the non-conference schedule as well as the conference schedule for these guys. And, um, yeah, what do you think about that? I think that's the way we got to do it. So let's uh, get things going. Let's get right into it. Today, episode one, kicking it off, we're going to do a two-team analysis for each episode. And today we're looking at the Pitt Panthers, my favorite team in the world aside from my alma mater, the Bucknell Bison. And the second team in the Big East we're looking at is the West Virginia Mountaineers. So we're trying to pair up uh, rival schools so that we can play that little uh, competition and, and play off off the two teams and the fan bases. And we're going to have a couple guests on the preview show. We're going to have John Grupp from Pittsburgh Tribune Review previewing the Panthers and one of the bloggers uh, for SB Nation's West Virginia site, the SmokingMusket.com. So that uh, those guys will offer some insight that uh, us two, just regular fans, cannot cannot get into. Yeah, and I think that this is a really good rivalry to start out on the backyard brawl. You know, schools are very close to each other. Uh, a lot of home games have a lot of fans from the opposite team, and uh, you know, I think it's. It's a great way to start out the season, Chaz. little backyard brawl for everyone. Yep. So looking at Pitt, the team from last year, um, big expectations heading into the year, as many of uh, the Pitt teams have these this last decade. And they were 15-3 in the Big East. They, they won their first outright Big East regular season title. Uh, while there's been some great teams yeah. in years past, uh, they've always done very, very well in the Big East tournament. That's been their that's been their mo. They always they always finish at the top, but it seems like uh, the last few years the their 
their roles or kind of their play has been reversed where they've they had a great regular season last year they um and the year before when when uh the 2009-2010 team they had a great regular season and in both years they lost their first uh Big East tournament game and and then heading in the tournament from uh the the 92 feet game with 0.8 seconds to go Nasir Robinson fouls Matt Howard with 0.8 seconds to go and they lose to an 8 seed in the second round and just a devastating loss for me as a as a Pitt fan and the rest of uh of Panther Nation it's just a brutal way to end your season after you go 15 and 3 in the Big East against the best competition in the country and then you come in and you lose to a senior laden team of Butler you know it, it's just it's it's got to be heart-wrenching for you guys. Um, it's just brutal. It really is. And I really didn't think this team was capable of winning the NCAA tournament. Or, or, or let me take that back. Be- I guess because the field was was weaker this past year for the, the NCAA tournament, yeah. I guess they did have a chance. But they really didn't have – I didn't think they had what it took to, to, to make a run. But I did not think that they were going to get ousted in in the second round. But if you look at at, at their um, you know really really good teams, the the teams that can win the tournament, they have quality road wins throughout the year. And and looking back at Pitt's schedule last year and and their wins, the best road wins were were at G Town, at West Virginia, and at Villanova. Those were not elite teams. They were good teams. They made the tournament, but they weren't the upper echelon yep. of You've seen over the years. I mean, you're an ACC fan, and, and the Dukes and the NCs. Yep. Those guys can go into any environment, and and they have the talent, they have the coaching to get it done. Yeah, and when I was down at school at Wake Forest, uh, we had Chris Paul my freshman year, and you know we couldn't beat Duke at Duke, and that was one of those red flag games where you just sort of knew that we were that good and we could compete with them, but you know. It was always just just not enough. And, you know, that year we ended up getting uh, ousted by West Virginia, who we'll talk about later in the uh, podcast in that three-overtime game. And uh, Kevin Pitsnog will still haunt my dreams. It does. Everyone in, the, everyone in that tournament that year, he, uh, he stuck a dagger in, in all yeah. the teams. Yes, he did. He did. So not, not to harp too much on that gut-wrenching loss for the my Panthers but we do we did lose excuse me we did lose three starters uh from last year they are gone not as severe as from two years ago when they lost four starters when it was the Dewan Blair the Sam Young LaVance Fields team but they lost those guys were better uh collegiate players than I think Brad Wanamaker and uh, McGee and Gilbert Brown were also so I think that these guys and going into 11-12 are going to be a little bit easier to replace than two guys that are currently in the NBA and, you know, a guy named LeBrant Fields who, you know, he was just a field general out there. Yeah, and those guys, uh, LeVance Fields and Brad Wanamaker and Gilbert Brown and especially Gary McGee, those just epitomize that, that those are Jamie Dixon players. They're, yep. they're not going to go, they're not NBA players. But they just fit, uh, not to be you over cliche it, but they just fit the system. Yep, yep. And that's why Jamie Dixon's one of the best coaches in the country. 
Yep, he, he molds them and, and uh, crafts them to the, the pit system. So the guys that are coming back, uh, fortunately their best player from last year is returning, Mr. Ashton Gibbs, and he is Big East preseason player of the year. I don't put um, too much faith into all these preseason accolades, but it, it, it is nice for his confidence and nice to um, uh, and a nice award to, to start the year. And he... He tested the the NBA waters um, in the spring and eventually did not sign with an agent, and uh, he's back. So, what do you think of uh, this upcoming year, Scott? Well, I think Gibbs is he's a great player. Um, I think he's someone that you can he can put the team on his back and carry them to a great season once again. I mean, his three point percentage last year was almost fifty percent. If he even comes close to hitting that mark, I think uh, they'll really be in good shape. What concerns me about Gibbs, though, and uh, John Grupp will touch on this, I believe, a little bit later, he's more of like a running-off-the-screens type of guy, and he gets a lot of his points based on jump shots. And when I look at preseason player of the year, and, you know, that's a really hard thing to accomplish, so we're sort of uh, nitpicking a bit. But I, I like to see guys who can flash and get to the rim and get their, I guess, get their shot a little bit more than just running off screen, sort of like Kemba Walker did last year. He was able to get to the the basket. Uh, what do you think about uh, Ashton Gibbs's ability to win player of the year? I'd love to see it. It, mean, it means that he had a great year, and if he has a great year, I think the Panthers will uh, at least meet expectations or hopefully exceed them. It doesn't mean that... Uh, if he wins at the, it has no bearing on how they do in the tournament, and that's what that's what we're all worried about after, after these after all these years of disappointment. But what, um, you know, what you talk about him running off screens, and he's an excellent shooter. I'm not. No one is 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 doubting that. But it's almost you want to see yeah, him. You know, Reggie Miller is is famous, and he made a living and a career off of. You know, after he would come off three, four, five screens um, in some of those playoff games against the Knicks and Bulls, and that's what Ashton Gibbs sure. does. But what Reggie, where he thrived, was in the in the fourth quarter, and there's no fourth quarter in in the NCAA. But in the in the in the second half, <laughs> those last five minutes, those last two minutes, I want to see him senior year just be willing to say, "Give me the damn ball." And he is nobody else shoots. Um, so, well, as much as you want him to drive the lane and develop a mid-range jumper and get you know get to the line more and get more free throws, I it's more just at the end of the game, a close game. They're going to have plenty of close games against Syracuse and UConn and playing Louisville twice. It's saying, give me the damn ball. And, you know, I think he's poised for that kind of role. Coming into his senior year, he was able to put himself against other NBA talent-level players over the summer. And, you know, I think he's got that drive to be able to be that guy. Um, but, you know, it's just, I guess maybe it's my sort of style. I like watching the guys that can get to the hoop a little bit more, a la what Chris Paul used to do, uh, versus watching an Allen Houston or a Reggie Miller running off screens. Um, just because I think the percentages are, are hot in a higher favor when you get down to it, that he can get to the basket and get an N1 and 
get a layup, I think you're in a lot better shape than having to depend on a three-point shot that, let's face it, I mean, Pitt's uh, opponents are going to know that that's going to come. That it's coming at the end of the game from Ashton Gibbs from three-point Absolutely, and, and, and transition to that, if Ashton Gibbs is is relying solely upon the, the uh, a deep shot and a three-pointer, they're going to need uh, role pl- not only role players, but they're ne- gonna, going to need second and third scorers that some of these good pit teams have, have had over the years. So who do you see emerging and and kind of um, um, you know growing in experience and, and a, an increasing role this year? Well, that's an interesting uh, point. I, I think that they're built right now with uh, J.J. Moore and Patterson. I think that if those guys can really pack it in and get rebounds, and if J.J. Moore can demand some sort of uh, presence when he's on the block, that's going to open up Gibbs' game a whole lot. And I think that that is going to be really important because they're going to have to replace the, the scoring down low and rebounding to be able to spread the floor for Gibbs to really make it make the Pitt Panthers go. What about you? What, what are you thinking? I think talking, uh, yes, getting people um, packing and down in the lane because we had we lost Gary McGee last year. He put up seven points uh, a game last year. He he'd throw in a ten, eleven point, twelve point game uh, here and there. But they haven't had uh, a real threat scoring down low since Dewan Blair. So if it is Lamar Patterson can, can develop a low post presence, but Dante Taylor is the key this year. He McDonald's All American coming in. He has not even come close to expectations. And you know John John uh, will get into this with him. John Grupp, but. He only averaged five points a game last year. He's got to uh, either be that second scorer, or at least put close, um, you know, close to at least getting to double digits for points to um, draw some attention down on a low block, and you know, like the play action pass in football, bring the defense down or, or get them to bite, and then you can kick out uh, to Gibbs just like you can um, open up a deep threat for for a pass. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Taylor's a big. Uh big uh he's he's gonna need to step up and he's gonna be a better he's gotta be a better player for Pitt to uh really exceed expectations this year. And that's sort of those are my concerns too. Uh, if you're depending upon a guy who hasn't done it for two years and Dante Taylor, um really hoping that JJ Moore who had a fantastic scrimmage in the um blue gold game where he had I think fifteen rebounds, eight of which were offensive um, if you're depending on guys like that to be more than glue guys, and I, I feel like that's where this team is, uh, I, I'm a little concerned about it going forward. There, there are concerns all, all across the board, especially in, in, in the post. But um, hopefully that there, there are some highly touted freshmen coming in. This is one of uh, Jamie Dixon's best class in years. And one of the big men, 6'11", shot blocker, Malcolm Gilbert, and supposedly has a huge wingspan. I have not seen him play in person. You, you've you've seen stuff on on the web, YouTube, and, and some of the rivals and scout sites. But uh, you know he uh, he's put on some weight since he got the, the strength and conditioning coaches have been working with him. He he is up to 
Um, he's, he's put on some muscle down low. And, um, you know, he should, uh, he should help out. Um, I don't think he's going to be a big offensive threat, but hopefully he can help out on the defensive end. Yeah, and I think there's an opportunity for him to step in this year and really just be a shot blocker and be a rebounder and get get those garbage buckets. I mean, every team needs a guy like that who's athletic, and you know, I think Gilbert can be that guy this season. You know, I just wanted to start talking a little bit about Birch. Everybody yeah. does. I mean, you got to be excited about him, right? I'm psyched. He's everything I thought Dante Taylor was going to be. Kem Kem Birch is going to be the man. He I don't think he's he's not going to be putting up a, a ton of points on the offensive end, but I just think this guy is going to be swatting shots. I mean, he's going to be an energizer bunny on the on the defensive end where one of those guys that might not only block one shot, uh, one trip down the floor, but just continually has has quick ups. Um, you know, he really in, I heard in the blue blue gold game he was uh you know a couple gold tens. Uh you don't you don't want to you you don't want to be given points to to the other team too often but that just shows that the guy is is looking to affect shots and alter shots in the lane. Yeah, you know, he seems a little bit like uh, the hype machine that Al Farouk Aminu had when he came into Wake Forest in uh I think it was 2008. Um you know, a long guy, an athletic guy who is really just going to cause matchup problems all season long as long as he's on the on the court. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to impact the game. Hopefully he can get major minutes this season for the Pitt Panthers so he can continue his development over the next couple of seasons. I agree. And talking about those minutes, Nasir Robinson, one of the other returning starters along with Gibbs, he is out for the first few weeks of the year. They're, they did some some work on his right knee, which affected him at the start of last year as well. But I'm not too affect. Uh, I'm not too sorry. I'm not too concerned with that because I think it's going to help the, the freshmen Gilbert and Birch to get some early minutes. And when you're playing the Albanies and and Robert Morris's and uh, this Rider, the A and M's yeah. and Prairie Views and all you know, Sisters of the Poor. It's okay to uh, get as many minutes from from uh, young, inexperienced players off off the get go. And that, you know, going off that a little bit, going to UPenn and playing at ho- playing at home against or on a neutral location against Duquesne. I mean, those are sort of rivalry games too that aren't. You know, their competition isn't that great, but you'll get that sort of environment that. You know, it's not necessarily the Big East, but if that guy's playing major minutes at rivalry games, I think it will just add to his character. Definitely, and it's it's Division One basketball, so these guys are certainly no slouches. Yeah, absolutely. And expanding on what we have been talking about, about this, this 11-12 Pitt Hoops team, we bring on John Grupp. He is a staff writer from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, and he covers the, the Pitt Panthers basketball team for the paper. So we want to welcome on uh, John Grupp to the uh, episode of Six Overtimes. Yeah, so we're, we're calling you from the Six Overtimes podcast, um, okay. aptly named by the, the nice Syracuse and UConn Big East tournament game from, from a few years back. Yeah. So yeah, get, getting right into it, what um, uh, Panthers had the blue-gold scrimmage this uh, this past Saturday, and uh, 
wanted to get your your thoughts on on who looked good and and what the team looked like on on Saturday. Um, yes, our annual blue goal scrimmage, and, and uh, Ashton Gibbs had 26 points. He was the the star of the game. Obviously, it was uh, pretty rugged and and uh, not not the best basketball early on, but that's to be expected. And uh, did uh, pretty good defense. Uh, Ken Burks, the the, the all McDonald's uh, All American, he 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 looked active. He had a couple goaltending uh, shot blocks early on, and showed showed real good length and and was very quick off the floor. Um, he he looked good. Uh, JJ Moore had had 18 points for the for the losing team. He he uh, made some some three pointers and and he's obviously competing for the for the small forward spot this year. And uh, he 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 did some good things. Um, Isaiah Epps had a had a pretty nice game. He hit hit a couple three pointers. He's the redshirt freshman and and uh, would be nice to if he if he can contribute this year with with his. Uh, with his deep shot, and uh, Dante Taylor had 14 rebounds, and and uh, his knees have been bothering him the past couple of years, but he he looked he looked much much better physically than than he has at any time since he's been here. I think that's what all the Pitt fans want to hear from uh, from the former McDonald's All American. Yeah, he he needs to step up this year because I mean, with not only is there, is he starting at center now and getting, replacing Gary McGee, but but with Brad Wanamaker and Gilbert Brown and Gary McGee all gone, Pitt, Pitt really needs to to uh, have a second score behind behind Ashton Gibbs, and and that's uh, pretty wide open who that's going to be. And and if uh, if Dante Taylor can 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 chip in with with maybe ten eleven points a game, that would certainly help to make up make up for the losses from graduation. And and he he had eight offensive rebounds. He just he looks he looks much better. Than he ever has, but his knees really bothered him last year, and he lost a lot of weight during the off season. Put um, he's at about two thirty six right now, and and uh, he, he he maybe didn't lose as much weight as just put on a lot of muscle. And he's he's going to be a bit key to how how well they do this year because he's he's been had a lot of expectations, and it's not that it's not out of a lack of effort that he hasn't maybe done done what some people would expect him to do. He's always played good defense, and maybe if he can become more well-rounded this year, that would be good things for the team. Um, but, yeah, you, so you were talking about, uh, so Dante shed some weight, but it looks like the incoming freshman, uh, Marcus Gilbert, and, and Cam have, have uh, beefed up and put on some muscle this summer. Yeah, they've been working with, with Tim Belts, the, the strength and conditioning coach, and, and um uh, Malcolm Gilbert, the six eleven center, he he looks he's he's pretty built. I mean, he or he's filled out a little bit. He he doesn't. When Ken Burst got here over the summer, it was shocking how skinny he was. He was he was six nine and probably about one uh, two ten or so. And then he went home and reportedly came back and was even skinnier in weight. So Coach Dixon uh, implied that he was under two hundred pounds when he got back here. Um, before for the start of the semester in, in uh, late August, and since then he's put on about ten pounds. So he's still two ten. He still needs he still needs to put on a lot of weight to be ready for the for the rigors of the Big East. And Malcolm Gilbert's put on around about twelve pounds, and and you you can tell that he's uh, he he looks bigger than he did when when he got here. But almost I mean, if you if you look up and down, Chad, the the, the Everybody that comes to Pitt gets 
bigger. They have a really good weight training program. And, and um, you look at the transformations of guys like Aaron Gray and and Terrell Biggs in the past, and even even guys like Gilbert Brown and Bob Wanamaker, they, they their bodies really changed as 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 they uh, grew. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd, he'd have some trouble battling with uh, Alex Oriaki being uh, <laughs> being under 200 pounds this year. But that that's great to hear. Um, the team's ranked, you know, based on the poll, they're they're right around the top 10. They're I think they're 11 in, in one of the USA Today polls and. They're predicted fourth in the Big East. So, so in your in your estimation, what 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 would make this season a success? What what are Pitt fans uh, looking for this the end result of this this year to come? Well, the, the same as every year is is to get that elusive Final Four berth. I mean, with all of all of the successes that they've had, it's everyone knows they they've uh, they haven't made the Final Four in, in, in since they went to sixty four teams and. Uh, that's that's the one hurdle they have to clear. Even if they can get just get past the first weekend, get to the Sweet 16, which they failed to do three out of the last four years, I think with his with the class they have coming in next year, and as young as they are, I mean they only have two seniors. That um, get, getting past the first weekend of the NCAA and and obviously finishing maybe in the top top three or four in the Big East, I think that would be. I think that's about where, where where they'll settle in. Okay. Do you see this a lot like the 2009 team where they lost a load of talent? Um, those guys were much more athletic, and and there were more expectations with that 08 team. But it, it's kind of like that uh, that 09 team where the expectations were set lower, but they still did did very well throughout the the season. Yeah, there are some comparisons there, and, and um, I think even they, they probably lost more after the 09, um, going into 09 and 010. I mean, they just they had Jermaine Dixon as their only starter back, and he and he was hurt. And yeah, that that team did did uh, did play very well, and, and uh, those are those are some of the guys now that are that are uh, that are seniors. It's funny how that that team was was picked. Uh, uh, where I think that team was picked. Like fairly low in the Big East, and and um, and they they exceeded their expectations as they as they always have done. So it's there there are some similarities there. Okay. Does he does do you do you think Jamie Dixon changes his philosophy at all as as to the, it seems that they always peak in February and early March and just clean up in the Big East regular season. Is there anything that he can do where to better prepare a team to make a deep run into into an NCAA tournament rather than a deep run into a Big East tournament? Um, I I don't know how you do that. I mean, it's it's I, I don't think that that was in Jim Calhoun's master plan last year when UConn won the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament to sort of get hot at the right time. I think you, you just have to. You can't really take it easy during the Big East season and try to pace yourself and then and then do 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 well in the in the tournaments. I I just don't know how how you can. You, I mean, you can try to balance the numbers a little bit, like the minutes, and and spread things out and not so you don't hit a wall. But but I'm not sure how you really how you coach a team to to try to be hot in the tournament. I think they just need to play better in the tournament and and not have maybe some of their some of their weaknesses get exposed in a in a setting where it's one loss and you're done. Yeah. 
Scott and I were talking earlier where you see these teams that, that win the tournament and make deep runs, they have that killer score that, that five minutes left five minutes left in the game, two minutes left in the game in, in an NCAA tournament game, they can go to that guy. Is that is that who Ashton Gibbs needs to needs to be this year? Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying that last year with Connecticut, with Kemba Walker, and you've you've seen other teams where they have that 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 go-to guy that you know the last two minutes, the last five minutes of the game, he's the one to count on. He's going to hit that big shot. Does Ashton Gibbs did that here and there um, last year? But does he really need to uh, take it to another level? He does. He does because of, he's he's the go-to guy clearly, but he's also more of a work off the screen, set uh, jump shot, and and creating, uh, getting to the rim and creating, getting the foul line and and uh, scoring that way. He so he he does need to add to the, to how he scores and and he's been doing that. That was one of his main priorities during the the off season was to work on his on his ability to penetrate and draw contact and dish the ball and he actually did that pretty well. In the blue goal game, he had, um, I think he had four assists and no turnovers and set up, uh, Nick Rivers on a couple three pointers and, and did, did, did a lot more, uh, penetrating and, and dishing, which is what he's going to have to do this year as opposed to mainly just running off screens on set plays and, and hitting three pointers. Definitely. Last question with being at the game on Saturday was, the the fans that were there, did you see the the excitement that they have for for Ken Beach? Ken, I'm sorry, Ken Birch, being such a, a highly recruited uh, big man coming in. Yeah, I mean there there was only there were probably maybe four or five four thousand people there. It wasn't a, it wasn't like the a packed Peter by any means, but but um yeah they're they're excited. I mean he's the highest recruited player since uh since the late '80s. I mean he's he's uh he's a a, a Talent that people talk about going being a first round draft pick in the NBA, so he's he certainly has a lot of expectations, and and just like Dante Taylor did, and and Kem Birch is uh he's he's got people excited, but he but in in the same in the same breath, he also is going into the Big East where it's very hard for true freshmen to do a whole lot. I mean, you look at look what Dewan Blair did as a true freshman in the Big East; he was phenomenal. And look what he did in the blue gold game. He, I, I think he had, he had practically a 20-20, if I remember correctly. I mean, he, he dominated that blue gold scrimmage. He came in his first scrimmage and, and was already one of the top players on the team. And, and, uh, you didn't, you didn't get that sense from watching Tim Birch that, that, oh, this is, uh, this, this kid can't miss. So he, he, he's, he's got some potential, but, but, um, he's still got to work and, and got a, got a, got a bit to go. Yeah. Well, thanks again, John, for joining the the Six Overtimes podcast. And and where can we find you on on Twitter for everyone to uh, follow updates throughout the year? It's uh, it's J underscore Trib, and I'm with the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. You can find it on on the PittsburghLive.com website or or J underscore Trib. Great, we'll be uh, we'll be following you throughout the year and and hopefully uh, checking back in to uh, see how Pitts. Pitts progressing. All right, Jess. Thank you very much. My pleasure. All right, John. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Bye. All right. Well, thank you, John. Um, that was a great interview. And, uh, you know, he touched on a bunch of things, including uh, 
how good the strength and conditioning program is at Pitt and the returning starters and what Gibbs' outlook is. And now on to the preview for West Virginia Mountaineers basketball for the 2011-2012 season preview. Um, you know, Chaz, I, this team played real well last year. They won 20-12 and 12 overall. 11 and 7 in a really tough Big East that was vaunted as one of the best conferences ever. Um, and got themselves a number five seed in the national tournament. They had a really nice season last year. Yeah, it shows the one, it shows that the committee really likes the Big East. Uh, getting a five seed after, you know, there were, there were times in February and, um, you know, throughout the year that, that, that people didn't know if they were going to, if this team was going to be in the tournament. So, the committee definitely rewards. Um, they had a tough out-of-conference schedule. They won. They beat Vandy and they beat Purdue, which uh, which are two were two tournament teams, pretty highly ranked. And um, you know they they lose a lot, but you know still looking back on last year, it was it was a pretty good year after going to the Final Four the year prior. Yeah, the uh, the big surprise was you know they. They lost to Marquette in the uh, in the Big East tournament when Marquette got really hot towards the end of the last year. Um, so there wasn't a lot to take away from uh, West Virginia in that aspect. And then, you know what they did in the tournament? They beat a Clemson team that really looked prized to upset them, to be honest. I, I re- they were one of the uh, favorite 12-5 upset picks, and West Virginia really just smashed them down. Um, to get them to the second second round, and they did lose to Kentucky, and you know that was you never see to lose, or you never like to see losing, but the Kentucky can sort of understand it. Yeah, and in, in Kentucky, um, it was sweet revenge for them after they were a more talented team two years ago with that great freshman class of John Wall and Demarcus Cousins. So. I think Connecticut, or I'm sorry, Kentucky fans really liked, um, you know, beating West Virginia for sweet revenge and to move on to the Sweet 16 and eventually the the Final Four. Yeah, absolutely. It was big for Kentucky to get back there. Um, yeah, but they had, like you said, they had a couple big wins. Um, my major concern when looking at their their team last year and their uh, end results, they went five and seven in away games. Um, and the ones that they did win, they weren't very good teams. They beat Rutgers away. They beat Cincinnati, who wasn't that great last season. Uh, Georgetown in the midst of the Georgetown collapse. Uh, they beat DePaul by a bucket. And they beat Duquesne. Um, you know, looking at that, it it, it seems like I'm a little surprised that a Bob Huggins team would only go five and seven away. And, you know, I know that the Big East is tough to play, especially in away games, but to me that was surprising. I don't know where where you stand. I wasn't that surprised because they were they were a good team last year. They weren't a great team. And as as we talked about and as I alluded to when, when we were previewing Pitt, really you know, only the really, really good teams win um, on the road against high-quality teams. And they were an NCAA tournament team, and though an NCAA tournament team will win on the road, but they're going to beat um, 
you know, those second and third tier ball clubs like the Rutgers and yeah. probably the South Floridas and DePaul's and Province. So they're going to clean. They're going to win at home and on the road against those guys. And uh, they might pick up a, a win at home against, um, you know, a really good team. But um, like, no, like Notre Dame last season. Right, right. They they got in that, and that that victory, um, you know, got them in the uh, in the NCAA tournament picture. And then I, I was really surprised they were a five seed. Yeah, moving on. I mean, this season we have Bob Huggins looking for number seven hundred. Um, career wins and he's 10 away right now with 690 i think it would be a great deal if huggins could do it on their own home court um and it looks like he's poised to do that around the beginning of big east conference play yeah if they could start out hot and win a lot of those games in the non-conference these bigger schools like a west virginia have more home games than than road games so if they have a good non-conference uh schedule the probability that it occurring on um, at the Coliseum, you know, that would be great for 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 Huggy Bear and uh, and the West Virginia faithful. Yeah, I was looking at it. If they sweep their cupcakes, which uh, I think they have six of them, and then if they win one of the following four: Mississippi State, Kansas State, uh, Baylor, and Miami. They would be able to, or Huggy Bear would get his 700 against Villanova on their own home court. Um, or they could get it two games previous against Missouri State if they can pull out all three wins against those uh, Mississippi State, Kansas State, and Miami. Yeah, and I like their chances against uh, Missouri State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, so I guess moving forward. What do you think about uh, the recruiting class that came in uh, this season? I, th- I think that that should be the main focus of West Virginia's season, and I think that as they go and as they progress, uh, so will the Mountaineers. Well, I think recruiting is part of the game in, in college hoops. It's, it's a big part of the game. But this was almost out of necessity. Most teams do it um, – you know they 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 want to do it. They want good recruiting class, but Huggins absolutely had to out of necessity because he lost uh, some guys from graduation for moving on, and he lost uh, a couple guys transferred. Uh, Dalton Pepper went to uh, he went back to Philly. It was I think I believe it was Temple. Uh, his dad yeah his I dad had right. some poor health, and you, you hate to see that happen, but. Um, you know, so he he left the school, and another guy uh, left the school as well. So he's bringing in some some real studs. He's got the the most notable one is Jabari Hines, and as we were talking earlier, he's he was the Mister New York of basketball um, last season with uh, one of the Villanova freshmen, uh, Yakabu. But he's a quick guy, um, a little lefty, and he's actually a point guard that is is a scoring first guy unlike Missoula or some of the point guards of, of seasons past. And what I'm excited about is, and tell me what you think, but really moving, I know a lot of West Virginia fans were talking last year, is getting Truck Bryant away from the point and getting him out on the, on the wing so that um, you know he can be a receiver of the basketball 
and hopefully Jabari can be the one that is, is feeding him and, and dishing him on the wing. Yeah, I think that that's what they're trying to get at with uh, going after Hines and seeing what he's got. Uh, one thing that sort of stood out to me is that Bryant wasn't that great with the basketball. His turnover ratio was pretty high, or his assist-to-turnover ratio was pretty high, and not something you want to see in a point guard that uh, that's going to lead a team that Huggins wants to do more of the run-and-gun with. Um, to me, I think his style of coaching for this upcoming season um, sort of fits Hines' mold a little bit better. Plus, he got two scores that are quick with the basketball, and it will alleviate some pressure on Bryant to um, maybe he doesn't have as many turnovers this season just because he won't be holding the ball as much. Exactly, and his, his, his field goal percentage last year was atrocious. It was, I think he only hit, you know, a third of his shots, which is... You know, you want a point guard to be efficient with the basketball. You you want a, a point guard is 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 typically known as an efficient player on the court, and that's one handling the basketball, but also you want him to take shot you know smart shots. And he wasn't doing that last year as well. And and, and um, you know you want to you, you just want to see him. Uh, be more efficient and accurate out there on the court in all facets. Yeah, and I think Hines will will help him do that. Um, but, you know, they lost a ton of guys from last season, and, you know, Casey Mitchell sort of leads that um, that void left by the seniors um, who led the team in scoring last season at 13.6 a game. And they lost a couple other guys, uh, like you said before, Mazzola, who was sort of became the de facto point guard um, when Brian started turning the ball over a little bit more. Um, you know, I look at this roster compila- uh, composition, and I'm a little, little frightened by its prospects. It's a lot of guessing, and it's a lot of seeing what, what are these new freshmen uh, players going to do. Um, and it's getting to the uh, to the point where we're prognosticating based upon high school statistics. And when I try to do that, it it's, it it seems like it's going to be a frightening year in West Virginia. Yes, I I agree with that. But he Huggins is bringing in a bunch of athletes, which he is known to do. He has very athletic teams, and when you have a bunch of young guys, they don't. It doesn't bode well for them when it's a system when it's a complex offense or you know lots of screens, a complex defense, maybe maybe a, a matchup zone or something of that sort. So I don't feel as um, uh, their adjustment, the learning curve for them or just their adjustment to to college hoops or, or biggie hoops will be as high of a, um, a learning curve for these guys because I, I just think, Huggins knows what he has. He knows that it's young, it's inexperienced, and he's just going to let him let him get out there on the court and and run and gun. And as as I E said uh, and, and alluded to, is it's it's going to be fun basketball. Whether the results are fun, I, I think when you're watching those 40 minutes of a West Virginia basketball game, they are going to be entertain. It's going to be entertaining basketball. Yeah, certainly, and and I can't take anything away from Bob Huggins. He's an excellent evaluator of talent, 
And you're right, he knows what he has, and what he has are a bunch of inexperienced uh, players who are going to have to come in and just try to out-athlete the other teams that they're playing. Um, And I guess what concerns me about that is if they're going to try to out-athlete other teams in the Big East, I don't see them winning a lot of those battles. I mean, it it just... It's it seems like they're a team that's going to really depend upon uh, the momentum swings and getting up and down the court and and causing turnovers and to me that's a guessing game and uh, yeah I, I'm I'm excited to watch him play I just don't think the wins are going to get there this season you're you're taking the contrarian view and even even though the Mountaineers are one of my rival teams. I I do think that they are going to have they've they've been picked 7th in the B East, but I I think it's going to be I I'm, I'm big. We haven't touched much upon Kevin Jones. He's a strong, he's a powerful, he's a rugged player. He just the DNA of him is is Big East all the way through. He he was he was uh when he came out of the womb, this guy had Big East basketball player written written all over it, and I think they're going to lean on him heavily, and I think it's going to bode well for them. They, they Actually, this is an interesting stat, for the first time in school history, West Virginia is returning two 1,000-point scores in, in Truck Bryant and Kevin Jones. So even though their role players are inexperienced, they do have they got some horses that they can really really ride to the finish. They can ride down. Yeah, yeah. Um. And, you know, they also have that guy, uh, the big guy from Istanbul, Kolicki, um, who I think will be interesting to see how they pair him and Jones down well. Um, and I think what's going to be really important for them to do is rebound the ball. If they're going to uh, – defensive rebounds, at least. Because if they're going to run the ball up and down the court, they gotta they got to get the ball up into Daryl Bryant's hands, and they got to get it to uh, – this kid Hines, and hopefully that they can just get a lot of those transition buckets. And it all starts with defensive rebounding and outlet passes from Jones and Kalicki. I agree, Scott. And Kalichka last year, I think fans, they gave him some sort of a break last year because they had Flowers and they had other players around him where the team wasn't relying so much on him and, and him playing well. But this year... They realize he's got another year of experience under his belt, and it's it's now or never with him. He's got to come to play. He he put up six and a half points and four rebounds a game last year, but he needs to get up around around double digits in points and and up his his rebounding on on the especially on the defensive glass. He's just a big dude, you know. He's just got to take up space and grab the ball. The big Turk. <laughs> yes, sir. And, and and they do bring back Kevin Nor Kevin Noreen is the fourth guy that has only had uh, had minutes at West Virginia. He he was able to redshirt last year because of I believe it was foot issues. But people are expecting him to um, log some more minutes and and hopefully put up some some decent points and, and rebounds. Yeah. Um... With the returners, I think we have three knowns, and Noreen is the unknown. And then we got eight freshmen coming in. Um, 
this coming season. Another one of the freshmen, we we spoke a lot about Hines, but this guy Gary Brown apparently and uh, Aaron Brown have been really good so far in the offseason. Um, Aaron Brown has started a lot of those games that uh, when they were playing in Italy earlier this summer uh, at the off-guard position, and Huggins was big on him and Hines and uh, Chuck Bryan all in the backcourt at the same time. So that could be an interesting um, setup if they got those three like pretty quick guards, scoring guards, and then with the two big guys down low. It could They might very well match up very favorably with uh, athletic teams with that lineup. Yeah, and I know Brown is going to compete and, and share minutes with, with Hines at the true point position, but you never know with, with Huggins. He might go with... Uh, a three or four guards, you know, four guard set at some instances, and um, it was good that those guys got the Italy trip in for literally for experience and just gel for team chemistry and gelling together and and playing together. But Jabari Hines, because they were uns- uncertain of his NCAA eligibility, was unable to make the trip to Italy, which would have um, benefited him immensely to, you know, get with these players and, and become comfortable with, with um, you know, the offense and, and how these other guys like to like to play. Yeah, absolutely. And one of those, uh, we were talking about how to run the floor. Keaton Miles is one of those wing guys that might be able to come in and replace Casey Mitchell. Um, you know, it might not get as many points as Mitchell put up or, assists or what have you, but he's going to run, and I don't know. I guess I'm talking myself into West Virginia doing a little bit better this season than I originally thought. Yeah, you you spoke of Keaton Miles and, and him replacing Casey Mitchell. I don't think he needs, and I don't think West Virginia fans, he put up points, and he had some big monster games in Big East play, but the guy played no defense. He did not distribute or dish the basketball. And and he he was in bad um, he was in the doghouse with Huggins for most of the year. I, I think he was suspended a few games. And he's just a he was a bad apple. I don't I don't think he 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 wasn't a team player. And you know maybe this year the, these freshmen just come in. They just want to play. They want to help the team win. And they're not for individual stats. And um, you know a me first. Yeah, but even even with Casey Mitchell uh, being a bad apple and maybe being in the doghouse and Huggins did cut his minutes, I, I think he only played 19 minutes in the loss to Clemson in the tournament game. Or, yeah, I'm sorry, the loss to Kentucky. Um, you know, he still averaged 13.6 game, and he was the biggest scorer on their team. Um and, you know, between him and Flowers and Missoula, those are three of the top five scorers from a from a team that, you know, did very well last season. But those are going to be a lot of points to put back up. Who's going to score? Yeah, and, and Flowers, he was he was the heart and soul of the team on the, on the defensive side of the ball because I believe he led the Big East in blocks per game. And... He was a big body. He worked hard on the defensive defensive glass. And those guys, statistically is one thing, but those guys as a, as a leader and an emotional, uh, you know, driving force to, 
to pull the team through through tough stretches and tough games. He he was that guy. Yeah. So they're losing one bad apple and one good left good apple. That's right. Um, so I guess we, we got a couple of questions here that I'm trying to figure out. Um, like I alluded to before, who do you think is going to score, uh, besides Truck and, um, Kevin Jones? Well, I, I think that people always look as who are going to be the other option, other options. I think these guys are going to score a lot more this year. I just think, Ke- uh, Kevin Jones is going to improve his game. He's, uh, he's going to become stronger. So, I think the points will come from him. If if Bryant can get on the wing, he's gonna he's gonna up his eleven and a half points per game. I think Hines will. I think to answer your question, I think I think Hines will be the one. I don't uh, I don't put much faith in Kalichka or or Noreen because Noreen is unproven. We don't know enough about him, and Kalichka is. He's he's the enigma. We we really don't know. Yeah, I'm sort of with you as well. And yeah, the, we were talking uh, before we got on. How will you know a young team like this? There's there's other young teams such as St. John's this year. Is this going to be is is West Virginia a team that it can go one of two ways? They People say this wasn't the year. It's it's always next year when these guys are upperclassmen and they they they've got a year under their belt. Or can this first year when they're all together can they can they jive and and work well with these um, with Bryant and Jones? Yeah, you know I, I think there's a big a little bit of a difference though between these guys and the St. John's players who we'll talk about you know in the coming few days. But the St. John's guys are much more highly regarded. Um, these guys, I just, it's all about being able to, to me, holding serve when you're at home in the Big East is very important, and then being able to steal a couple of games away. And, you know, they do have a couple winnable games at Seton Hall and Rutgers and uh, some of those other spots that they could possibly sneak a win in and, and do and get a little bit of confidence for the young squad to uh, build on for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't see them being able to win a lot of games away from uh, the Coliseum, and uh, a lot of those, a lot of those home games, or a couple of them, they're they're tough. They got Pitt, they got Cincinnati, um, they have Marquette at home. Those are going to be tough, tough games to hold serve on. Yeah, and I, I like the point you make about on the road. I think with a young team, they really struggle. They're not; it's not comfortable. It's a hostile environment, as you see playing in the Carrier Dome and at the Oakland Zoo and some of these other places. When they get flustered or the crowd, the crowd gets on them and, and they get down early, it's tough for these young kids to recover. But I think this West Virginia team can steal a game or two at home against a team that that might be ranked better than them, such as a Pitt, you know, in a, in a rivalry game, or Syracuse or Louisville, where they ride the emotions of the crowd, and they're 18 and 19 years old, and they just get so up. It's their first, one of these first few games where they've had the crowd just so into it, and and I think they can steal one 
at at the Coliseum. Yeah, definitely with young kids uh, playing ball, it goes either way. Either you know when the crowd gets up, gets up and gets against them when they're away, they they tend to uh, react towards that pretty heavily, and then when they're at home and the crowd's going nuts, they react they react positively there, and all those threes start just pouring in. Um, so I guess looking at the rest of the schedule, what are what are some of the games that stick out to you? Um, and I guess how do you feel about their uh, stretch from January 9th to February 24th? Because that is frightening. Oh, it's just absolutely brutal. It's it's similar to if you remember last year, St. John's had a stretch that they didn't get a break. You don't expect breaks in the Big East, but you want a game here or there against a South Florida or DePaul or a Providence last year that, you know, you think you can you can pick up a victory or you you might have a good shot at, at a win. But they go – these guys go from um, – you know, it's just a stretch from – mention the games again to me. I'm, I'm bringing it up right now. Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, starting on January 9th, they're at UConn, and then they're home against Rutgers and Marshall, which are sort of two gimmies. But then they go at home versus Cincy, at St. John's, at Syracuse, at home against Pitt in the rivalry game, at Providence, which isn't an easy game to play, especially if they lose four in a row going into that. Then at home against Notre Dame and Louisville, and then at Pitt, at Notre Dame, and then versus Marquette on February 24th. That's just brutal. Yeah, so so I think February will tell us a lot. Uh, February is always is always a big month, but if they can weather that and come out close to or near 500, these guys have a good shot at getting a good seed in the Big East tournament and and getting a possible bid in in the NCAA tournament. So you're over under on we're gonna go uh, following what we did with Pitt your Big East win total for this this ball club. Yeah, you know I think it should be I got it at eight and a half as the over under. I, I know that that's a little bit low as far as a lot of the other prognosticators have done that. Um, I know Joe Lenardi even has him as has West Virginia as a number eight seed in his most recent bracketology. Um, what do you have as the total wins for uh, Big East play for these guys this season? Well, they had 11 wins last year. I don't think they're going to get to that level. I would put these guys, I think they're going to be right around a 500 record in the Big East. And... I would say you said eight and a half. I would I would go with nine and a half. So depending on a game, you know, a, a missed bucket at the end of end of a game or two, I think they could be ten and eight or nine and nine, some somewhere right around there. So you think they're a nine, they're a nine or ten team, uh, nine or ten win team yeah. in your mind? I think so. Yeah, I, you know, I've said it a couple times already. I just. I think there are a lot of unknowns, and I know that Jabari Hines is looked at as a great player or will be a great player. I don't know if he's going to make the impact that is necessary this season in order to get nine or ten wins. Um, I know they're high on Aaron Brown and Gary Brown as well. Uh, but to have three of your four guards that are going to get major minutes as freshmen and 
you know, only one of which were was really highly regarded coming into the season. I don't know if that's going to give them enough athleticism for Huggins to be able to compete with a lot of those guys in the uh, in the Big East. I got them around seven wins. I think they're a seven or eight win team, and I don't think that they're going to make the tournament this year. And I know that's a contrarian opinion to most people, but I think they're they're going to lose to Baylor on the road. I think they'll split the Mississippi State-Kansas State away games early, and I think that might get them into a little bit of a funk coming into the Big East play. Um, yeah, so I got them at seven or eight wins. Yeah, well, it's certainly a baptism by fire in that uh, December stretch. Huggins is not shying away from the competition going at Mississippi State, at Kansas State, home against Miami, and at Baylor, all BCS uh, conference teams. We're not talking football here, but, yeah, they're all from the power conferences. And you don't know for for the record how that will fare, but for experience and seeing quality competition, no longer high school or AAU, these kids are going to see early on what what uh, what good teams look like, rather than uh, you know Pitt doesn't doesn't come close to seeing uh, this sort of competition in December. Yeah, it will definitely give them a, a little bit of an advantage going into Big East play that they're not sort of complete deer in headlights. All right, well, I think that wraps up the first edition of the Six Overtime Podcast with Scott Wildermuth at SB underscore wild on Twitter and Chaz Wagner. Chaz, what's your uh, Twitter handle? The Twitter handle is at Chaz Wagner. That's C-H-A-S-W-A-G-N-E-R. And you can find the Six Overtimes Podcast on iTunes or our Twitter handle is at six overtimes with the six spelled out. All righty, well that will do it. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, guys. Can I get some advice to you? Yeah. Shut up. Thank you. You're welcome.